Well, hello everyone and welcome to another segment of Rest Easy. I want to thank everyone for joining me today and and uh, let's get started, okay? Uh, on today's episode, a segment of your day that will inspire or fire you up, I'm Terrence White and I want to introduce you to a day that will Go down in history as a day that I will probably piss someone off. But here goes. Yesterday, I posted a joke on my Facebook account, and it generated quite a mixed response. Now, this joke was in the form of a meme, and it read at the top of the meme, If Jesus had a girlfriend... And then there was this picture of this guy who is supposed to look like Jesus sitting on the ground while this young lady leans over and says to him, I just find it funny how you died for three days. I must look stupid, huh? Now, end of meme. Now, I found that was funny, so I posted it, okay? After I posted it, the responses went from I don't get it to it's not funny to this is inappropriate to you're on a roll, Terry, to it's funny, Terry, period. And then there was more back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So let me clear up some things about how I look at the respect that is expected towards our religious figures, the Bible and the Word of God. I have to assume that if you are a friend of mine, that you have your own ideas as the, as the direction that we are going allows us to push humor into an angelic thrones of religion. So... Um, I say that because if you're a friend of mine, then you are a deep thinker. And I do not find your ideas false. I find that you believe them, then you are, then they are true to you. I only ask that you respect my ideas in the same vein. Now, a while back, I had a conversation with an old high school friend who is now a professor of theology. And my friend preaches the idea that marriage should only be between a man and a woman. That is what is written in the Bible, and by God, he stands by that. He cites Levical laws condemning same-sex relationships, um, citing Leviticus 18.22 and a few others. He started naming off a bunch of them and it went in one ear and out the other with me. But while I don't argue that there are all kinds of references in the Bible that can be used as a catalyst to push an agenda like this, He cannot ignore Exodus 22, where it says, The firstborn son shall be offered up to me, the Lord. And if you refuse, then you shall break his neck. Now, my friend also claims that 
if Joe Biden becomes president, then he will allow gay activists to storm his church and attack him for preaching the word of God. My response was that they want nothing to do with you or your way of thinking. Gay activists will congregate where they feel welcomed. It's that simple. It doesn't get any harder than that. Uh, just like Catholics to a mass or Jews to a temple, just like teenagers on a Friday night or a waddle of penguins on an iceberg. Stop thinking that anyone outside of your canonized congregation would be in the least bit interested in forcing you to change your way of thinking. In the same breath, you need to stop your need to change them. Show respect for their beliefs, and the rest of the world will respect you for yours. I think that I have become way too, I think that all of us have become way too serious about our beliefs lately. I think we need to step back, take a long, hard look at what is in front of us, and start feeding the needs of our fellow humans. Now, in my book, Rest Easy, on page 85, I write, When people praise the Lord on Sunday and then call for genocide on Monday towards a group of people just because of what side of an imaginary line they were born on, that calls for a reevaluation of the core of our souls. Every living, breathing human being has a right to be on earth. Where on earth is a choice that belongs to the individual? I personally am glad to have you all as neighbors. Now, I suggest that we take a hint from Echotitis. Is freedom anything else than the right to live as we wish? Nothing else. And I probably blew that name all over the place. It's it's epic epic uh epicitus. I'm sorry. <laughs> now that I have had the chance to clear up a little bit of my path to the almighty grave site in the sky, let's not stop there. I encourage you all take the time to offer up your ideas about the path to your glory. Do you believe in the words that are written in the Bible? Do you follow them? Do you respect others' ideas? Do you still call a friend a friend even though they disagree a disagree with uh, your personal doctrine? Now, I'm certain that if we were ever to completely decipher the Dead Sea Scrolls, we would find generations of blood and slavery that spill from the mountains of theory that were eventually found to be bogus traditions and then changed to meet the needs of a different way of thinking. Hell, some of you don't even believe in God or religion. That is your belief and will always be protected and respected by me as with other ideas as this lifelong subject. So, I really don't want 
do, I'm sorry, I really do want to know your thoughts on the subject, so jot some down and go to my page, Rest Easy, and give me what you've got. Spill the beans. Spill the beans on your ideas of religion, or if you have any ideas to dismiss the idea of God or religion altogether. There are no wrong thoughts. Okay? That is the beauty of having a free society. We are free to think and believe any certain way as long as we don't expect or demand others to follow us. Comment under my topic uh, for today's podcast post, okay? And uh, that'll be interest. That'll be an interesting read for all of us. So, I apologize if I have offended anyone over my Facebook post or on here. All I ask is that we all keep an open mind and let the humor flow. So that's it for today, ladies and gentlemen. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. I hope everybody enjoys the holiday season. Let's uh, keep our minds and and, uh, and our prayers uh, open to all of our friends who have lost loved ones uh, through the pandemic or, or not. Uh, let's also uh, uh, keep our minds and our prayers on those who are suffering today and, and uh, are about to take their last breath. Uh, trust me, there's, uh, there's a lot of them out there. So, um, again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, and, and I'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome again. Thanks for joining me once again. Um, hope everybody had a had a good week, Christmas week. I hope everybody uh, survived. I hope there wasn't uh, too much trauma. And uh, let's just uh, go forward and uh, and hope for the best for. For the, for the rest of the week until New Year's Day, okay? Now, every, everyone, welcome to another episode of Rest Easy, a segment of your day that you will never get back. Today, I want to talk about the ways to improve the moment that we are currently living in. As the new year approaches, I like to believe that I can make life better for myself and those around me. Forget this conglomerate of vomit that we're living behind that we're going to leave behind and let's move forward, okay? Um in my book Rest Easy, right there in the first chapter, there are suggestions that may help us. Follow these 9 steps. You will have nothing to lose and a lot of love to gain. So here they are. Number one, accept others even if you get rejected. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says. Uh, Not everybody's going to have a perfect day. Accept them the way they are, just the way they happen to be for that day. 
Who knows what their next day is going to be like, but for the moment, accept them for who they are. Number two, walk more, drive less. Walking helps. Walking helps with just about everybody that I've ever talked to. Anybody that ever wanted to work towards uh, relieving stress, uh, typically say the best thing for them is always a nice walk. Number three, make amends, but don't beg. So if you see a situation where you know you were wrong and and, uh, you did somebody wrong or whatever, um, try to make amends. Let them know that you're sorry. Uh, Don't beg them to forgive you. Just tell them that you understand the mistakes that you made and, uh, and you're trying to change the way you look at your days going forward. Um, number four, surround yourself with people who you love. Now, that's not hard to do. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people in the world that uh, happen to uh, surround themselves with toxic people. If you can get rid of uh, your toxic friends and just try to stay with the ones that that uh, make you happy, that would be a, a, a huge, a huge, huge, huge uh, uh, rock lifted off your shoulder. Number five, look for ways to improve your days like meditation. And I'll talk a little bit about that here after a bit. Number six, treat others with respect. Stay clear of people and things that make you angry. We had just talked about that couple minutes ago. Number seven, give freely of yourself. Um, be available for people. Uh, there, there's Especially in this day and age with uh, COVID-19 and people losing uh, friends and family members left and right. Uh, be there, have your ears open, uh, be, a, uh, be somebody that they can turn to. Number eight, remember that things have no value when you are gone. There you go. Really, seriously, what has value after you've left Earth? Nothing, okay? And number nine, okay, so now look at it this way. If you can make life a little bit brighter for someone else, it will turn into it'll turn you into the ways that you will not expect. Okay? You will start to realize that your world is getting better and it will become easier to face each day with a smile. Now, don't get me wrong, you're going to have challenging moments but there will be fewer and farther between. Okay. Now listen, when I started writing my book, there was there were moments when I would ask myself if I was taking my own advice. Well, I struggled with that question until one day I realized that I have always been quick to anger. So I started monitoring myself And when I found myself in a situation that would usually require my belly aching, I backed off and assessed each moment with calm, manner, and forgiveness. Now, I'm not a robot, so this took some time, 
to to work and and uh, today I can look at myself in the mirror and be proud of who I've become. Some like to use meditation and I can respect that. I have a time, a place where I meditate. This is usually the first thing in the morning after I've taken the dog out for his morning leg lifting. Um, there's no TV, phone is on silent. I have my coffee by my side in my favorite chair. I will close my eyes. I will let all the negative energy leave my soul. And I'll do this for usually 30 minutes. Uh, during this time, I'm in another galaxy. Sometimes it's so relaxing that I fall asleep. But it's gr a great way to start the day. And then I always remember what my dear old dad would say. His quote was, don't let the bastards get you down. There's a lot to be said for taking a good line like that and making it work for you. There are many other ways to combat stress and put, put you in a better frame of mind, like taking walks and rigorous exercise. We talked about that a little bit ago. Putting on your headphones and listening to your favorite music or audio book. There's no replacement for a healthy mind. If you can pick and choose your method of relaxation and meditation, then take it from someone who works it and can tell you it works. So, I used to believe that the best way to approach the day is to have an army of friends who pick up the pieces when you screw up. Not only was I wrong, but I was on a path to destruction. Sure, it's great to have friends, but it's even better to have the right friends, even if it's just one. Everyone needs someone to lean on. It sounds like a song. In fact, I think it is a song. The best part of having someone is it could be anyone. It could be your mom, it could be your dad, it could be your brother, your sister, your granddad, grandma. It doesn't make any difference. It could be anybody. Just make sure that you are a good friend to them. Now, last week, I talked about the confusing universe of religion and faith-based organizations. I received some great responses from that segment, and so I wanted to share with you a letter that I got from an old friend who believes that our world has been poisoned by religious ideas that are just fantasies for us to lean on to make ourselves feel better about the decisions that we make. Uh, my friend Chad writes, he says, Terry, we have known each other for many years. I know how you feel towards religion, and I don't disagree with you but I am also not going to lay down and let you feed ideas into the heads of others without giving you my two cents. And I, and, and I certainly do appreciate that, Chad. And he goes on to say, you and I spent years together 
and a catechism classes that we were both just as disgusted with the teachings on one level than taking that same lesson from the same chapter of the Bible and interpreting it in a completely different way for the congregation on Sunday morning. And what Chad's talking about there, and he and I have had this conversation over the years, is is we would sit in class and we would listen to our instructor, and typically our instructor was either a priest or a nun, and they would they would take something out of the Bible and they would they would talk about uh, that segment, and I think because they they thought, well, you're, these are just kids, we're going to uh, feed them this bit of information and and uh, see how it filters through their through their little minds, and so they would feed us this this these explanations of the readings that they were giving us, and and then not realizing that we sit right there with our parents in the same pews at, during Mass. And by the way, when I talk about Mass and catechism, I'm talking about the Catholic religion. And and we would sit there and we would listen to the priest stand up there and talk about the same subjects, but give a completely different interpretation of what he believes they're talking about. Okay, so you have that. Uh, Chad goes on to say, I'm with you as far as letting everyone have their own interpretation of God, real or not, but I have to draw the line at the altar. In other words, I don't believe that anyone has a right to produce or to produce a faith or God of their own without at least going through the motions of learning about the faiths that are already on the books. Okay, I cannot disagree with what my friend has to offer. I do believe that there must be some knowledge or background before making a commitment to an idea of faith or religion. But I also believe that we are a free society of ideas and we should all be free to render thoughts on this subject. Let's face it. No one has a patent or a copyright on God. So, like always, your thoughts are welcomed. You could write me at whitet2125 at gmail.com or instant message me on uh, Terrence White on Facebook or Rest Easy. I hope to hear from all of you. Uh, That's all I have for today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everyone has a safe and happy new year. Now listen, you can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and of course on my Facebook page, Rest Easy, and Terrence White, and on Twitter. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Rest Easy, and I hope you have a chance to read my book and soon, if, uh, as soon as you can. If you haven't already, we shall talk again next week. Thank you.
Okay, hi ladies and gentlemen, and hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rest Easy. I hope everybody had a wonderful New Year's, and I hope you were safe. So, getting started today, we're going to have another fun-filled thriller and words for, from the wise. So today, I want to talk about ways to, to prepare you for your or your loved ones for that last day. Now, before you close your laptop, hear me out. There are There is no one in the death care industry that is in the business of picking your pocket. Everyone that I have ever met in the funeral business is there because they care, particularly in the funeral homes, okay? I know this is hard to understand, but that has been my experience. Now, that may not be the case on the supply side or even in another part of the death care world, but in the funeral homes, that is definitely the the truism, okay? Uh, it, these folks that want to manage your trip to the sky really, truly do care. So let's let's look at some facts. Funerals can cost more than many people think. Now, the National Funeral Directors Association's most recent estimate of the medium cost of a funeral, and let's just say cremation, for example, a cremation service is going to cost you about six thousand dollars. And its medium cost of a funeral with burial is around 8500 Now, those numbers don't consider things like burial plots, upgraded urns, and upgraded caskets. And, and believe me, I know that part of the world. Um, published obituaries, uh, if, if you've ever priced what it costs to go to a newspaper and actually have your obituary printed in a newspaper or even online through through that same service, it is extremely expensive. Uh, another cost that's, that's out of that realm, um, headstones and even flowers, okay? The total for a funeral can easily approach up where, upwards around ten dollars to $12,000 or even more. So potentially leaving an unprepared family with a huge, huge financial burden. And one of the things that I've talked about in the past is is uh, the idea that a lot of the younger people today that are making decisions now when they're going in and sitting across the desk for, with the funeral director is the decisions that they're making is that, oh, okay, let's, let's not even have a service. Well, Think about your poor mom, your poor grandma, grandpa, whoever you're getting ready to bury. Think about them. Think about the life that they lived. It's a dirty shame if we can't at least put them on the pedestal one last time to let the world know how wonderful they were to to you or to to anybody. Okay, so so. I'm hoping that this helps everybody kind of rethink uh, the way they think about the funeral business and and uh, and the cost of funerals. So there are different ways of paying, obviously. Um, 
to prepare yourself for a funeral, you could open up a savings account and uh, feed that every once in a while, you know, and, and I've heard of people doing that. There's, In fact, I have a friend who's, uh, who's doing that now and has done rather well, as a matter of fact. Um, he's uh, saved up um, about $13,000 for his own uh, funeral which is which is kind of nice but it's highly unusual that there's going to be a lot of us that are going to have the ability to stay away from that savings account and it takes an, an enormous amount of willpower to not dip into that till life happens things happen um you could you could see a brand new car that you'd just love to get your hands on. You know what? Guess what? I got ten thousand dollars in the bank. I'm not going to see it after I'm dead anyway. I think I'll just go go ahead and buy that car. So that so that type of of system, in most cases, does not work. I'm not going to say it doesn't always work, but in most cases, it just does not work. Okay. Then there's what is called the pre need plan and the final expense policy. Now, these are two completely different animals, and I will introduce you to these plans right after this. Okay, now, let's talk about the difference between a pre-need plan and a final expense, all right? In a pre-need plan, the purchase is from a specific funeral home. And a final expense, the purchase is from a life insurance company. And a pre-need plan, priced out, out and paid ahead of time to a funeral home. Okay? And a final expense, the beneficiary receives the payout. Beneficiary it could be your wife, your children, whoever. Okay, in a pre-need plan, the cost of guaranteed services will always be covered by the funeral home. So, if you have bought yourself a pre-need plan through a particular funeral home, and you paid, say, say you paid six thousand dollars, okay. And you've already picked out everything that's going to go into that plan. You picked out the casket or the urn, and you picked out the service, and you picked out this, that, and the next thing. Okay, none of that's going to change uh, due to the cost of uh, increase of, of cost. Okay, that's that will not change. So there won't be anything more expected of of you or your family uh, when that when that time comes. And on the final expense side, benefits are flexible, can be used to cover final arrangements or more. It could be used to uh, uh, pay for somebody to fly in or it could, pay, it, it could be used for anything, all right? Um, and a pre-need plan, non-guaranteed services may need to be made up by beneficiary. So in a final expense plan, uh, insurance plan benefits are portable, not tied to any specific funeral home. In other words, on the pre-need side, that funeral home that you set that up with, 
that's the home that's going to carry that, and that's the home that you're going to have to have the funeral at. Now, they might own 10 funeral homes, so you can go to any one of those 10 funeral homes. On the final expense side, which is the insurance side, you could use that that policy at any funeral home, no matter what state, what what uh, what city, doesn't make any difference. You don't have to go to the same funeral home. Okay. In a pre-need plan, details dependent on individual funeral home, and that's a high variable. Okay. Insurance. On the exp- on the final expense side, insurance side, the insurer has established terms for all policy ho- policy holders, and that's a constant. So, it's a big difference. A pre need plan, you're kind of tied into one uh, funeral home or funeral home group. In a final expense plan, you could go anywhere you want. And you could use that money for pretty much anything you want. Okay, so so you're so you're open there. So um, no, nobody's going to tell you which one's better for you. Okay, no one should push you towards one before the other. It is up to you to decide what is best, what the best avenue is for your needs. Okay, so what did I leave out? Oh yes, religion. Now, how you practice your faith is no one's business, so this should never, never be an issue, but it is. If you are a stout religious fanatic and you follow every breath that is preached to you from that pulpit, well, you are probably looking at more expenses than the average person. Once Father Dignity, once Father Dignity's front office gets the word from that you have passed on and have left this earth, look for the church charges and minister charges, and then there's the hand held out for donations for the building fund, and on and on and on and on. Don't get me wrong, if this is your cup of tea, then be my guest. But all of that better be in writing before you kick the bucket. I've seen it and I've watched it. I've watched the church surround the family with their hands out, saying, oh, "There's got to be something in that policy," as I'm, as me being one of the beneficiaries. I've I've seen situations like that. Uh, be very careful. Be very careful. Don't forget the first person that should be. Uh, important to you is your spouse or your children, all right? So keep keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind. If 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 that's the direction that you go, fine. That's it's entirely up to you. It's your money. It's your life. But if that's the way you're going to go, make sure bef- before you go, make sure that you put everything in writing, all right? So before I let you go. I'm going to read a paragraph from my book, Rest Easy. And I hope this kind of helps. And uh, it is on page 112. And, uh, And I write, Thanks to the ease of modern technology, 
I have been able to sustain enough energy to write about the ups and downs of the world and the death care industry. I want you to know that I am of no authority on any one subject other than my own personal experiences throughout my years in different positions where I have had the pleasure of helping others. In the short amount of time that I worked as a funeral associate, I worked with real professionals. People have had to sit with grieving families and sometimes the angry uncle who refuses to believe that the cost to send his loved one off to another dimension is out of line with what he thinks it should cost. As I noted back in chapter 3, there are a lot of people and products that go into the making of a successful and respectable funeral. One of the costliest features of running a funeral home is insurance. Liability and everything else that goes with the owning of a business, of any business. If you don't believe me, check with the with a reliable insurance professional. That cost is staggering and keeps going up year after year. This is where you are as a responsible adult come in. You do have control over the cost of yours and even your loved one's funeral expenses. The term is pre-need. Now, I wrote that about, uh, about a year ago, and the reason I suggested pre-need at that time is because that's what I was studying at the time. Uh, I want, want you to remember that, that uh, there's no way that either way is right or wrong pre-need or uh, final expense insurance, it's your call. The important thing is, is to go talk to your local funeral homes and talk to a professional, talk to your insurance man, and get a feel for what is right for you. Don't blow this one off. This one's important. This one's on you. This, this is you taking care of your family and your family's future. All right? So, hope everyone had a happy holidays and happy new year. We are finally in 2021. Thank you for listening. This is Terrence White with Rest Easy, and we'll speak again next week. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Rest Easy. I really hope that uh, today finds you well. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of different things today. Uh, the first uh, thing I want to talk about, I've already blogged about these two things, so uh, some of you uh, are going to get a second feeding, let's put it that way. Uh, so the uh, first thing I want to talk about is what happened on January 6th. Okay, now there's no amount of sorrow that could be enough for what we have allowed our nation to become. As a death care provider, there is always a moment to bow my head and show a degree of respect towards the life of a lost soul. This time, I bow my head 
and ask for a new direction for our country. There are times that we stand shoulder to shoulder when we are attacked by our enemies like 9-11. There have been moments of national pride like watching the landing on the moon or an Olympic gold being draped over our athletes. We used to walk with our chest out as we showed the world what a great and loving nation we were. On January 6, 2021, we witnessed the destruction of our national pride. We watched misinformed followers of our president try to destroy our democracy. We watched as they defaced our nation's capital and smeared human feces on the walls of that great marble structure. The halls where presidents lay in state, where Congress debates the fate of laws and the structure that houses the history of our country. The mob that believed every word that left the lips of a commander-in-chief who had no escape plan for these poor souls, began their descent into the depths of hell for him. The same commander-in-chief who later called them thugs and offered them up for, as like sacrificial lambs. There is no excuse for their actions. After all, they were all adults. They're all old enough to seek out the truth. And they're all old enough to know the difference between right and wrong. And they are all old enough to understand that if you're about to attack your own nation, you better have the right people at your side and enough of them, and they had neither. Now we sit with a disgraced leader, one who looks a lot of people, uh, he looks a lot of people down in the nose, and he takes a lot of people down with him. And some of those people had aspirations for greatness. Some have been viewed as stellar examples of courage and leaders that would bring us down to the path of glory. They all fell. They fell so low that the new generation of leaders will have to work twice as hard just to bring respect back to our branches, three branches of government. I hope and pray that when we can stand with pride again, that I can stand with you. I'll take a moment for a little break, and I'll be right back. Welcome back, folks. Uh, the other subject I want to talk about is, uh, and, I'm, and I'm sure everybody's sick of hearing about it, sick of talking about it, but we need to keep keep drilling this down, and that is uh, this pandemic, COVID-19. Um, I'm, I'm calling this uh, pandemic fatigue, if you will. 
Now, it's only been less than a year, but what the hell is wrong with some of you? Doctors have been telling us for generations to wash our hands and don't breathe in bad air. We know this. We know this already. So why in the hell are we having issues with it during this pandemic? Good God, what does it take to get the message to some of you? We have all lost friends or family, and sometimes both, to COVID-19 by now. But we can't seem to get our heads out of our asses long enough to follow simple directions. I swear to God, I read a post today from an old friend who is looking for recommendations on a good place to take a group out to dinner tonight. Uh, I said, what? You mean a place where COVID does not dare to enter? A place where you can all spit across the table at each other because no pandemic would dare follow you or your friends to that long table back there in the corner of that sleazy restaurant. I get that you are all, everyone is suffering from the pandemic fatigue. I get that. But we have only just begun to work towards getting the vaccines to the frontline medical folks and to nursing home residents. You know, at this rate, we will be wearing masks for another year. The more you disrespect the recommendations, the longer we will be under COVID restrictions. If you are hungry and you don't have anything in the, ho in the house to eat, order out and pick it up and leave a good tip. Stop dragging Uncle Bob and Aunt Sylvia out to your little science project at Pizza Ranch. And while I have your attention, for God's sakes, people, the mask goes over the nose. Yesterday, there were 3,731 deaths due to COVID-19. Now, don't give me your BS about, well, I read somewhere that those numbers are not right. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Unless you are a major player in the CDC or a statistician with the WHO, then shut the hell up. It has become vividly obvious that many of you have taken to social media with the approach that you know more than the experts. You need to cut that BS out now. People are dying. Lives are changing, and not for the better. I have been to more funerals this last year than I have in my entire life. At some of those, and some of those lost to COVID-19, didn't even have a service. Funeral homes are overextended with cases, and refrigerated trailers are being used to house bodies waiting for families to, to identify them. We just watched a group of low-life, no-good domestic terrorists take over our nation's capital. 
hardly any masks were worn. Not to be unexpected, as the assumed collective IQ was that of a used G-string, another spreader for the rest of us to deal with. But by now, we could have had this pandemic under control if we had known about it sooner and our pandemic team was not fired. But we still had enough time to control the virus by just following simple directions. So, if an electrician tells us not to touch a wire or it'll shock us, what are we going to do? This is Terrence White signing off with Rest Easy. I hope everyone stays safe. And please, do not come near me without a mask on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Rest Easy. I hope that everybody has had a good week, and uh, we all look forward to uh, our upcoming uh, days ahead um, with the uh, inauguration and all the crazy stuff that's going around. We're hoping that everybody stays safe. Now today, I want to talk a little bit about some issues that have happened in the last few days and, and uh, leading up to that. Um, I want to read a, a real short paragraph out of my book, Rest Easy, and this is on page 95. And I'll start there, and then I'm going to move along to um, some uh, parts of uh, some of my blogs that I have uh, published this last, this last week. And hopefully we can work towards the end of this, this hate thing that seems to be going around in this country. So um, anyway, on page 95 of the book Rest Easy, uh, about towards the bottom of the page, so thir third to the last paragraph, I write, One of the things that I learned over the years was the, that everyone has a style of living, of survival, of dealing with everything that comes their way. We are all taught at an early age how to respond to any situation by watching our elders. As we age and develop our own mechanisms for survival, we tend to drag some of what we grew up with along for the ride. Now, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But to take that a little further, I want to, want to uh, read for you uh, what I put in my blog this week uh, under the heading, Hate This. And in here I write, have you ever sat back and thought about the seeds that started the vines of hate that you feel today? How about the time wasted while you dream up ways of getting even? Have you fallen into a trap that someone else has, has set for you? A surefire way to stay clear of being the recipient of hatefulness is to think about how you would look in the eyes of your newfound enemies. Think about how you feel about others when the flames of hate separate you. Every flaw that they carry 
is accentuated into a gigantic boil. An example is her butt's so big she needs two chairs to sit down or his hair is like an oil slick. Hate will spoil your plans. As an example, I'm not going if she's going to be there. Hate will keep you awake at night, but the most despicable trait one suffering from the cancerous emotion is your ability to gossip and talk behind the backs of your presumed enemy. You make even you may even add some sauce to the meat while you're at it. Why not make up something that could fit right into the whole secret eulogy that you so craftily designed? It is amazing how we find ways to ruin our days, and here we are in the midst of the changing of the guards at the White House, and we find ourselves at each other's throats. So sit back and think about where the seeds was planted and trim that vine. Start your day with the realization that it could be your last be kind. Kindness will return. Help someone who won't expect it from you. I know you yawn when you see someone yawning. It works the same way when you smile. So as you go about your day with a positive aura, you will come to the realization that you are the seed that spreads the pollen. So I'm going to have a go to a little short break and I'll be right back. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen. Um I just read to you uh, one of my blogs from this last week called Hate This and uh I hope that you were able to pick up a a seed from that, if you will, and uh, get a couple ideas on how to eliminate hatred from your from your life. Um, next, I want to talk about, and this kind of falls in the same line, um, what happened on January 6th. Um, as we go through life, and, and, and what I've noticed talking with families over the years is that, that um, there is always that one person in the group or in the family or, or, or whatever who happens to be not quite there with the rest of the group. And so when I talk to families about, about their deceased loved ones and trying to put together a, a, a good eulogy, um, it it's, it's never fails that when that one person is brought up, it, they usually try to find a way to talk positively about them. So if we could all kind of put our heads together and, and work towards that mode going uh, to the future, um, I think this is going to help us uh, heal from all the hatred that we've dealt with here in the last few years. But the next uh, blog that I... Uh, wrote 
or the last one, I should say, that I wrote for this last week is called Resurface Anytime Now. And in there I write, well, it seems that the new age is coming and we better be prepared. Since the early age, this new program, we have been glued to the megahorn of the voices who we looked to for answers. I can recall the early years of radio as my mother would have it on all the time. There would be music, a game show, but when that voice came over the airwaves to bring the news of the day, we were all silenced with that finger to her lips and a hand, handy frown as she peered into all of our eyes and collectively five kids would stop what they were doing so that mom could listen to the likes of Edward R. Morrow. Usually the news brought her to grab the phone and call all of her friends to tell them what she heard on the news for the day. It's, be it's become a staple of sorts in the life of the average 1950s adult. There was a cigarette burning in the ashtray, a cup of coffee or a glass of iced tea by their side as they bent their ear to the radio as current events were broadcast into the homes of millions of Americans. As I grew into a young man, I became familiar with the need to know the news of the day. After all, I was running around with a draft card that could be my ticket into the war zone. I needed to know what decisions were being made for me and on my behalf and when and if I would be heading into a military compound. Now, my oldest brother, Jim, joined the Navy in the 1960s and was uh, later stationed in Morocco. Not much water there, but there was a need. If there was a need for camel's milk and sand, he would be saved. I was contemplating going that same route, but alas, my draft card, my draft number rather, was too high to be called, and before our troops were called back to home from Vietnam and the end of the draft was imminent. By then, Walter Cronkite and the team of Chet Huntley and David Brinkley took over the fa as the faces of the evening news. We clambered to the living room to see what the hell was going on for, on the day uh, on behalf of stories from around the globe. We never questioned the validity of what we heard or saw. Sometimes we walked away from the TV set with confidence in our leaders, and sometimes we wondered what the hell they were thinking. But we never under this, were under the suspicion that we were being lied to by the media. The comfort of knowing that our airwave mouthpieces read to us everything that they knew of the subject matter, was gospel, and we never had to worry about being let down of the wrath of that path. In 1948, the very first American reality TV show was broadcast. Candid Camera became the household name and familiar 
and families stopped what they were doing to watch unsuspected gaffable heroes make us laugh. As years went by, private citizens were able to purchase their own movie cameras and later camcorders became the amateur stars of, uh, excuse me, camcorders and, and so on became amateur stars in their own making. We should have seen the writing on the wall as there, there would be new products called cable TV that was easily sold to everybody because now we were all trying to keep up with the Joneses. Soon we would see stuff on cable that would rock our world, from MTV to HBO. We were entertained by any level of as long as we were as long as uh, we paid our cable bill. Before we knew it, winter was no longer for building snowmen, but for keeping up with the latest music videos or the latest HBO movie. It could be good or bad as long as we can hear swear words on TV, because that's really what we paid for. Then Hollywood got smart and hired a bunch of psychologists and sent out a bunch of surveys to tell them what we really wanted. And it turns out we just needed to have our emotions jolted now and then. We liked the cussing and the shooting and the blood and the infidelity and so on and so on. They remembered that we respond how we responded to watching Walter Cronkite remove his glasses from his face and wipe his tears after reporting the death of President Kennedy. Enter stage right. It's 1990, and Ted Turner had done enough of, of his own research to understand what people really wanted in the news program. He saw the need for opinion news anchors. He wanted his personalities to show how they felt about a story that they reported to you. Let them go as far as to question the decision of our national leaders right there in front of the camera. Well, it was a hit. And then in 1996, Fox News popped in, in to go one step further. Their M.O. was to create a story and then call the person out in front of live camera just to get them all riled up. Legend has it that Fox had more lawyers on hand than most stations had camera crew. But that didn't stop the flood of poor reporting. Enter MSNBC. The same year as Fox, 1996, they would use personalities that their viewers loved from their mother station, NBC. Now we have three, three, a three-way split for the attention, and before you know it, they are all being called out for their misrepresentation of the news, even when they actually report what someone said in a recorded message. The viewers have become skeptical. So although the term fake news has been around for a few years because of the phenomenon of we call 
cable news. In 2015, the art of the deal suspect, Donald Trump, decides that he has a pretty good platform to run for president. One would argue that his platform was more of a smear campaign than anything else, but that's what he called it. And I'll be right back after this. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to continue uh, with the end of that uh, um, podcast or that uh, um, blog that I was uh, reading to you when we were talking about um, how hatred is built and how we could kind of work towards tearing it down. So now there's this guy who has never been in politics in his life but he has witnessed what makes people stand up and take notice. Howard Stern knows this better than anyone, as he was known as the original shock jock. Trump saw this firsthand as he watched Stern become the king of radio hosting. In fact, Trump and Stern were friends at one time. That friendship won as Howard became disgusted with the way Donald was running our country. But for a guy who couldn't turn a casino into an easy cash cash machine, he was able to grab the attention of a lot of people and get them to buy into his rhetoric. For his entire presidency, and even during his campaign, he would refer to the press as fake news and call them the enemy of the people. So, for over five years, he would gaslight his way around bad news and then blame the messenger. It was no wonder his base became obsessed with his call to hate all that is not him. Donald is the guy who will love you as long as you love him more. He could not bring himself to denounce hate groups like the KKK or even the Proud Boys because they loved him more. Before you knew it, he couldn't tell the difference between an evangelical or a skinhead. Donald Trump knew how to manipulate a story and has had many friends in the media write those for him. The National Enquirer was his go-to for many years because he knew that people would see his face at the end cap of every grocery store checkout line in America. So the king of fake news has been able to play the victim of fake news to his base and then get them to follow his rhetoric to the polls. The master manipulator then started using the art of the steel to put ideas in the heads of those who still followed him. Fox News became one of his sounding boards as he would call into a show and ramble on like Grandpa from a nursing home. He tweeted so often that he became the subject of everyday news on Twitter. 
His ego was so big that he couldn't stop campaigning after he won the election in 2016. So when he lost the 2020 election, his go-tos were silencing him as he broadcasted to his base that the election was stolen from him. He had no proof and was even put on notice by the Supreme Court to stop the lies. But this is all he knows. If If you take away his popularity and his ability to manipulate the truth to fit his agenda, you end up with a shell of a man. That is why Donald Trump needs to needs to keep the lie alive. He needs the spotlight and he will let anyone fall by the wayside as he reaches for the star that has lost its last ember. I hope and pray that we all have learned a lesson from the Trump era. There should never be any one person allowed to guide us into the gates of destruction. By now, we all should know how to research a story for its validity and never assume that what we found is gospel. We should all know that our lives depends on each other. Do not judge anyone by their path, but take and offer them yours as a way of love. There may never be a time that we experience this much hate again. And if we are diligent in our dedication to love, life, and the pursuit of happiness, then we should know that how we communicate has consequences. I prefer to love and be loved. I hope you do too. Rest easy, ladies and gentlemen. This is Terrence White signing off.